Lizzo's problematic encounter, Adele's divisive weight loss journey, and a former girl group star is accused of blackfishing for career clout. We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to celebrate their rich history of culture and storytelling that we can learn from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Maggie. Yes, Jasmine. How in love with Tom are you? Very in love. Thank you for asking, Jasmine. I will decline your romantic proposition. (laughs) Well, The Cut has asked readers this week, is there such a thing as being too in love? And I think there is because singer Megan Trainer revealed this week that her and her husband have side-by-side toilets and have pooed together. (laughs) What a crappy way to start this episode. Before we get into the whole story, I, when I saw this new story, I told my boyfriend about it and I was Mm -hmm. just like, I love you so much, but I could never do that. Like side by side. What, are you making eye contact? And even then, (laughs) the smell, I cannot. I cannot. I would not put it past them to be holding hands while they're doing this. Don't you think? Are their legs touching? You know, what's the deal? Do they have to pass each other toilet paper? Are there two toilet rolls as well? I feel like I can smell something brewing as we're talking about this. I just, sorry, sorry, listeners, especially if you are drinking coffee, let's say, or eating eating breakfast. breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. So Megan shared on Nicole Byer's Why Won't You Date Me podcast and said, We just got a new house and we did construction. Nobody knows this, but in our bathroom, there was one toilet. And a lot of times in the middle of the night when we're with the baby, we got to pee at the same time. So I was like, can we please have two toilets next to each other? Okay, wait, how long does it take someone to pee that you need two toilets? I know. And like, what does having the baby have to do with it? Oh, yeah, true. (laughs) Just throw the baby in there as an excuse. Um, But excuses she did need because she had to go on her social media to kind of clear up this mess and she said to clear things up we pooped once together and we laughed and said never again but he will hang out with me if I'm pooing because we're soulmate (laughs) capital I don't know s and I legit miss him when I'm away from him and we pee together obvi which is my favorite line the articles that could be written on codependency in this relationship This sounds quite unhealthy, but that's their life, of course. Um, I I think it's odd when couples like shit in front of each other. I can't. No one, no one should be in your in the room. Yeah, no, that's private time for you and your bowels. (laughs) Oh my god! When you tuned in this morning, did you think the first subject would be about shit? I can't believe Culture Club has, you know, chosen to to go this low and our humour is just, you know, downgraded to toilet humour. So put us on the comedy charts. 
In more celebrity news from this week, Lizzo is also facing criticism from fans after a video emerged online in which she approaches Chris Brown for a picture and can be heard telling him that he's her, quote, favorite person in the whole fucking world. Yeah. Lizzo, honey, what are we doing? Wait, I haven't actually seen this video. So did she take this video? Was a fan filming her? What's the what's the goss? So a fan is filming them interacting and Lizzo walks up to him and goes, oh, my God, like I said, you're my favorite person in the whole world. And is like, can we get a photo or something? And Chris is like, oh, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, it's a really – it's fan fan behavior. Um, so Lizzo was performing in L.A. as part of the Millennium Tour, which has um, just started again because of the pandemic. And, yeah, the fans are really upset with her because she is quite this kind of like – progressive woman in pop culture and to say that a literal abuser domestic Mm. violence perpetrator is a favorite person in the world everyone was like girl there's so many other people you know and of course just for context as well we should all remember that in 2009 chris brown was found guilty of felony assault of his then girlfriend rihanna um he was granted a restraining order against him Yes, and then in 2017, his then-girlfriend, Karushe Tran, was granted a five-year restraining order against him after reports that he had harassed and threatened her after he had fathered a child with another woman. And he also has, you know, loads of, like, allegations against him. Just being a shit person in general, I can't believe he's still making music. But this whole thing reminds me a lot of our conversation we had a few weeks ago about Addison Rae and Donald Trump in terms of like this person is super problematic and, you know, we shouldn't really be talking to them. But is it that thing of like when you see a celebrity, all those kind of that context goes out of your brain and you're just like, oh, my God, there's a celebrity who I've loved since 2008 when Forever came out, you know? Yeah, I mean – I don't know if I can excuse it and I don't think I'd do the same if it was if I saw Trump or I saw Chris Brown or whatever but it is very interesting to see I guess celebrities that we really look up to kind of fall into that same fan behavior like you talked about before that we do ourselves it's kind of like a little bit cringy to see I think especially Mm. when the person they're talking to and approaching is problematic Mm. yeah I think it would be different as well if she had just kind of approached him and was just talk- if there was footage of them just talking. But the fact that she said, you're my favorite person in the world, it has gotten fans really angry. And before we hit record, I was just checking up on her TikTok and the fans are going crazy on TikTok. <gasps> she made a video even like eight hours ago and most of the comments are like, I can't believe you've done this and what were you thinking Baby, when we said Chris, we didn't mean Chris Brown because there's the whole <laughs> joke, you know, about um, Lizzo and Chris Evans. So, yeah. And then the top comment on the last video this morning, oh, no, sorry, a day ago, was I have the belief Lizzo is doing some reflection before apologizing. She deserves to take care of herself and talk once she is ready. I don't know. It's been like three, four, five days since this and like it happened this week and she hasn't said anything. So maybe she's hoping this one will just kind of fly under the radar but yeah bit I think it's just a bit odd but still love you Lizzo yeah it's a bit odd and it's interesting because I think it shows that someone can be I guess like a role model in one arena but be mm. so behind in another one and 
I, I understand that's what humans are like, but it is, I just, ugh, it's not a good move. I don't think as a celebrity, it makes me feel, you know, you're just saying like, oh, you still love Lizzo. I do too, but it makes mm. me feel a bit weird towards her a little bit, at least for now. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it's that thing of like, humans are so multifaceted that it must be hard to be a celebrity and like have everything you do be filmed for one and everything you do be kind of criticized but I don't know I don't think we should outright be like I'm never listening to Lizzo again like that's not constructive at all but um yeah (laughs) saying that a domestic abuser is your favorite person just isn't it Speaking of celebrities being scrutinized, this week English singer-songwriter Adele has graced the covers of both Vogue UK and US, and that is the first time in the magazine's history that the same person has graced wow. the same cover um, at both different countries, yes. And these have actually been her first interviews in five years. Um, so yes, while very excitingly this was in celebration of her new upcoming album, another conversation took over the public eye and it was her weight loss and body image. The UK profile is a really great feature and the writer Giles Hattersley toys with the mystique around Adele who is famously very private, which is kind of an oxymoron, but anyway. It reads, well, no one has seen her, have they? Mysteries abound. Will she be happy? Will she be heartbroken? Will she have gone very LA? Will she be thin? The thrum of a thousand tabloid headlines echo in my head, and then boom, she is before me, perched at a table amid the flora and fauna, as nervous, glamorous, and rare-seeming as a snow leopard, with a tumble of caramel-coloured blow-dried hair and a burst of Bayredo perfume in etro double patchwork denim, fashion over vest, and white leather heels. They continued, A manicured hand is proffered, a firm but fluttery handshake bestowed, followed by the most comforting of salutations. Hello, I'm Adele. So, we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Adele is still Adele. Or is she? With the honour of being the first to pose the question, I ask where we find the 33-year-old heartbreak queen no longer 19 or 21 or 25. I like their writing a lot, but the whole a tumble of caramel-coloured blow-dried hair reminds me of that like meme about male writers writing women, like her bountiful breasts. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God, true. Anyway, sorry, sidetrack. It is a good profile. And in our quotes that you'll keep hearing us read, the writer puts themselves like in the piece quite a lot. So hopefully that's not overly confusing, but it is a lovely read. Also, another sidetrack. Did you know that she was only 24 when she had her son? No, but that doesn't surprise me too much. You know, her first album out at 19, she's very much an early achiever. So that means her son is 10. Yeah. No, nine. Yeah, because in the profiles and stuff, she's talking about how this album is like uh, kind of dedicated to her son and their divorce and stuff, which is so sad. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I just – she had the baby like 10 years ago. And, you know, when you're young, like when you're a teen, you see – you think 24, you're like, oh, yeah, sounds about right. Mm. And then as you get older, you're like, what? (laughs) Like, anyway, sorry, side track there. So I really want to talk to you today about this need and desire for celebrities to stay the same 
all the nervousness that we have around celebrities changing. What do you think about it? I find this so fascinating and I feel like Giles kind of encapsulated this about like, you know, oh, what's Adele like now? Is she the same Adele that we know? And I actually feel like, yes, this plays out in the celebrity arena, but definitely in our normal lives as well. Like when you think about high school people and sometimes, I don't know, you might be like, mm. oh, what's, what's so-and-so up to now? Like, are they the same? Are they doing something completely different? And it's very interesting because I think we have people's identity kind of formatted into little boxes and we put them there because this is how we know them in this frame of time and anything that kind of floats outside of that box is kind of this sounds so so dramatic but you know it's it'll excuse our version of reality because you're like oh that person's not actually what I thought they would be is this too much too early on no you tell me that's exactly what we were just talking about with Lizzo about like Mm. her actions and then being like oh she's not what I thought Like I'm surprised by the fact that she is a fan of Chris Brown because we had constructed her in our heads as this very, you know, progressive. And she still is. That doesn't Mm -hmm. negate the fact. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I just – when I see profiles like this, I just am thankful that I'm not famous. Do you know what I mean? Why? Because But, yes. Yeah, but, like, imagine – you know, you have these massive albums like 19, 21, 25, and then you're in your 30s and you've gone through a divorce and, yeah, then the whole world is like, ooh, what's she like? Like who is this woman? You know? I was thinking as you were talking about this that it's weird because we also do embrace celebrity changes. Like I'm thinking Harry Styles, we love his evolution, but is it because he's growing the way that we want him to grow? Mm. Like if he grew, sorry, but if he went down the Liam Payne route and he's wearing them like, like, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to call out anything too specific, but you know, if he turned into that kind of very pop artist, Mm. we wouldn't love that, would we? Mm. Yeah, true. But that just, again, is the argument of like, we have expectations for celebrities. But going back to this profile, Giles also has to talk about the famous chatter around Adele's weight loss, which started in May 2020 when Adele posted a picture of herself on Instagram wearing a black mini dress after she'd lost about 45 kilos, which now she clarifies was over the span of two years. So in the piece for the first time um, ever, she kind of clarifies and actually talks about this weight loss, I guess, journey that she's been on. Um, She says that she began this weight loss journey thing um, because of her anxiety and it was never about losing weight. Um, She even mentioned in the article that now she works out two to three times a day, which is a lot. Mm. Yeah, so Adele says... People are shocked because I didn't share my journey. They're used to people documenting everything on Instagram, and most people in my position would get a big deal with a diet brand. I couldn't give a flying fuck. I did it for myself and not anyone else, so why would I ever share it? I don't find it fascinating. It's my body. People have been talking about my body for 12 years. They used to talk about it before I lost weight. But yeah, whatever. I don't care, she says, sounding as though she cares a little, but less than she might. You don't need to be overweight to be body positive. You can be any shape or size. God, I so resonate with that. I know that when my anxiety is super bad, I like, yeah, I work out not obsessively, but I become like hyper fixated on it because it is such like a relief and a release and a escape or whatever. 
but I also get the what she's saying about like I don't give a fuck and like I don't find it fascinating that's exactly how I felt Mm. the conversations around Rebel Wilson's uh, weight loss and Adele's weight loss like I every time it would come up in the news I would just be like I felt sorry for them because I was like god imagine like this is so boring like who cares Mm. what your body looks like and I know that and I know I'm saying this from a position of having like a straight mid-sized socially acceptable body so I don't have to kind of I don't think too deeply about it but yeah I just felt very sorry for Adele that she had to kind of feel that she had to explain it and all that stuff and like the media around it like even people who were talking about like why are we talking about this we're still talking about it you know and I was like wow imagine like putting out Grammy award-winning albums and like having all these achievements and then people being like oh my gosh she looks amazing like I don't know but -hmm. I know that comes from a place of privilege and in terms of I don't know maybe you would want some sort of inspiration and like how did she do it if you were in a bad place mentally with like weight loss or something yeah I mean I agree that these conversations are kind of boring in the sense of like why are we fixating on it but I just think like we can't just skip over the conversations that everyone else is having so it's like we could argue that oh but culture club you two are talking about it now aren't you just fueling the fire but it's like weight and like fat phobia is just so rampant I wish we could be like body size and fat doesn't matter because mm. it doesn't really but in our society oh my god in our society in our society we value it we value thinness and like that is shouldn't be true but that is true mm-hmm. so it's like oh we have to talk about this in like the structures that we are living in no yeah I do get that but interestingly enough there was a lot of differing opinions from so many people about Adele's weight loss which is what I was referencing of being bored of but one part that really stood out to me in the profile was what Adele said about other women. Adele says, I understand why some women especially were hurt. Visually, I represented a lot of women, but I'm still the same person. And the worst part of the whole thing was that the most brutal conversations were being had by other women about my body. I was very fucking disappointed with that. That hurt my feelings. I That really made me feel for her. And made me really angry at us as women in general, general population, that about like the competition we have with each other and how, you know, we have these like this discourse or whatever about body weight that is seen as like, oh, we're just wanting to help, but like it's not helping anyone. And there's so many like different systemic issues around this. But yeah, that was something that stood out to me personally. Yeah. Like, she doesn't owe us anything and I think with parasocial relationships and these like fake relationships we think we have formed with celebrities we think that they do it's like this betrayal well she hasn't betrayed us in any way I even like the way that Giles framed it in the piece saying that there's always been a degree of public ownership over Mm her and it's like that is heartbreaking that is so hard to kind of factor in um yeah I don't want to be famous either if it's like Mm. that but do you remember when Adele first like came on the scene like buddy more than 10 years ago now 12 years ago maybe it's because I was a child I was like 12 or something but I don't really remember her body weight being a topic of discussion when she was larger 
Do you? Everyone was just no. focusing on her voice and now she's lost 45 kilos. They're like, oh, yeah, she's lost so much weight. Oh, and she has an album coming out. I'd be pissed well, off. This is, yeah. Well, okay. But are we actually seeing these conversations? Have you seen this on like TikTok or Twitter? Because what I keep seeing are people being like, everyone should stop pointing out that she's lost weight and just focus on her music or her talent. And I'm seeing so much of that, I guess, like defensiveness or um, backing up Adele or whatever it is. But I'm not actually seeing the people that are being like, wow, she looks so good and then not really caring about her music or whatever. I also think that could be because we're in echo chambers. So we think this way and so therefore that's what our TikTok is showing us because I remember when the black mini dress picture came out and it it was on my Explore feed so much. Like there's a picture that came out a few weeks ago of Adele with her new partner at a basketball game and it was after she had lost her weight um, because it was taken this year and I saw that republished a few times around the place and like it's a lot of like gossip sites and stuff and like page six Mm. and then yeah the explore page being like Adele stuns in picture with new boyfriend after her divorce blah 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 like that general celebrity gossip stuff um so I think like a lot of the, the conversations may be happening in on the internet that we're not kind of privy to yeah and that's that's so true. Um, I just don't think that people have – people questioned her talent or her star power. You know, you know. Pr- prior to last year, she's won 15 Grammys, has sold over 120 million records. Sorry, fif- I think people – Sorry, 15 Grammys? One 15 five. Grammys. One five. Oh I know. Oh, gosh. I knew she'd won a few Grammys, but not 15. Okay, sorry. Go on. Sorry. All good. Um, And I do think we are fawning over these Vogue photo shoots um, because we just haven't seen that many new photos of her. You know, it is exciting just to have new photo shoots of celebrities, Mm. especially when she's on the cover of Vogue's with an S. Um, But I am interested to hear what you think about this tweet that was circulating. It read, Adele's return being not so subtly framed around her weight loss reinforces that no matter how talented you are, your social capital will always be greater if you're thinner. People now care about her outfits, makeup, etc. in a way they didn't before. Her celebrity is magnified. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Tell me. I do agree. It's like in English class, we're like, please expand on that thought. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like you said, we live in a fat phobic society and that is true your social capital will be greater if you're thinner we see it so often in the even the fashion trend of is this a good fit or are they just skinny or mm-hmm. I watched pitch perfect last night and you know when you're watching a movie and you feel like you've got to google everything about it and of course Rebel Wilson is in that in that film and so I read a news piece saying that um she referenced that she's treated differently now that she's lost all of her weight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I agree with that tweet 100%. Yeah, and I know we have spent this segment talking about her weight and her body image, but I am so bloody excited for this new album. There's been a few sneak peeks um, dropped. She had an Instagram Live the other day, so that is definitely something to look forward to. And even though we've spent this conversation talking about, you know, the media re- media's reaction to her weight, at the end of the day, we are here for her music. 
Former Little Mix member Jessie Nelson has caused a stir this week after her first solo single, Boys, was released. Featuring Nicki Minaj and sampling P. Diddy's Bad Boys for Life, the song is a super catchy R&B track. However, the former girl group member has been accused of blackfishing by appropriating black culture in the new music video. Were you ever a Little Mix fan? I knew like a handful of their songs and it was around like the One Direction era, of course. Um, so I wouldn't say I was a fan. No, I like never really bought the albums and stuff, but like I know their singles. Were you? Yeah, not really. I mean, so they won X Factor back in 2011. Um, it was, like you mentioned, very similar to One Direction where they were assembled by Simon Cowell. And um, they have spent the past decade like bouncing around the charts they have had some massive hits but I was never like a super diehard fan like I was with 1D yes me too yes and in December of 2020 Jessie announced she was leaving the girl group citing mental health struggles um it was big news obviously not as big as when Zayn left um Mm. but the three other members apparently wished her well sent her love it was all mutual love um and they have now continued on as a band with Perry and Leanne announcing their pregnancies this year, which was very sweet. So they seem to be like going from success to success and very happy. So 10 months after leaving the band, it does seem that Jessie is pivoting from pop and moving into this R&B space, but boys is dripping with blackfishing. So some of us have probably heard about the term cultural appropriation which is adopting features and customs of a culture but the term blackfishing is more specifically about stealing from black culture so you actually see this play out not just in music but also in makeup tanning products cosmetic surgery and hairstyles Um, it's to sometimes make people look more ethnically ambiguous or mixed race or black Yeah, so this kind of appearing racially ambiguous isn't new for Jessie. Um, As the years have gone by in the girl group, she's like gradually gotten more and more tanned. um, But this is a whole other thing. In the music video, we see Jessie with big curly hair, a gold tooth, uh, wearing chains and bling and diamonds, um, a tan that is the exact same shade, potentially darker, as Nicki Minaj, who's featuring in the video. And she also uses black men and people in the music video as kind of accessories. Um, Vulture's Douglas Greenwood also notes that Jessie sing talks arguably in a black scent, a.k.a. black accent, with the lyrics, so hood, so good, so damn taboo, know you know how to please me. And it's also her mannerisms in the video. It makes me feel so Mm. uncomfortable. Like she is trying to act, I would say, gangster Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, And, yeah, it's it's quite – it's very jarring to look at and especially if you don't really know who she is. Like I was quite confused about her ethnicity too. I had to Google because I'm like, no, she really looks black or at least mixed race. Um, She's so dark in the video as well. Yeah, well, when all this came out and everyone was like, oh, my God, I can't believe Jessie Nelson is doing this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, but she's mixed race because I, well, I haven't been that fan, a fan for 10 years or whatever. Mm. I was just like, oh, yeah, she's definitely like – mixed race girl or um Egyptian or something like that but yeah she's full-on white so a picture of her parents she's as white as me she is 
white as white. <laughs> I saw a bloody um, a tweet that was like this banger and mash English girl. <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah. Stop. And just to rub the salt in, her mum's last name is White. <laughs> I just to make it very clear. Jeez. The music video also contains white and Asian people wearing dreads and bling and outfits that we associate with black culture. And as I was watching it, I kind of felt like I remember distinctly seeing a white guy in dreads, um, like the bandanas and stuff. And I definitely felt like maybe they were there, especially like the Asian women as well, were there to kind of tick this diversity box of like, okay, Jessie's a white woman and she is um appropriating black culture but if we have every other race then maybe people won't care that i'm stealing black culture because everyone else is here so it's fine we're just appreciating and it's like that's literally the definition of appropriation you know yeah and i just think we have seen this play out so many times in the music sphere so it's not like this is new territory as well for instance um Ariana Grande Seven Rings was a great example of this. You know, she's got her long hair, super dark tan. She's also kind of had that soiree of mixed race mm. dancers around her to try and make it seem okay, but that's just mm. not what's communicating here. Yeah, and it also reminded me a lot of Miley Cyrus's single 23 that was released in 2013 when she collaborated with Wiz Khalifa and Juicy J and it was when she was trying to change her career and it does remind me a lot of this in terms of like Jessie is going out solo like defining herself you know working with these massive like P Diddy and Nicki Minaj like massive American artists and Miley was in a similar phase of like leaving Disney and all that stuff so White women know that using black culture can catapult their careers into another realm because black culture is the culture. Like black culture is mm. our pop culture and it's just, you know, it can be filtered down kind of like fast, fast fashion, you know, like black culture, black people are like defining our culture and white women know mm. that white women especially know this and therefore use it like Jesse has done here. Last year, I wrote a piece for Fashion Journal titled Blackfishing is a Huge Problem, but the white silence about it may be even worse. And in it, I reference an article for ID Magazine by a writer called Emma DeBerry, who explains that white women can, quote, flirt with the suggestion of blackness without being burdened by the reality of actually being black. Blackness is an opt-in and opt-out. We can't be black when it suits us and then wash it off when confronted by the very real racism that continues to reduce our realities. I also wrote, influencers using black aesthetics for clout can always take off the hoops or wash away the tan, but this isn't the case for black women. I love that and I love that piece. Um, it'll definitely be linked in the show notes. I also do want to draw attention to a piece that my friend wrote for Pedestrian. It is called, As a Brown Gal, Fake Tanning Will Always Reinforce Some Problematic Beauty Ideals, and that is by Saliha Iqbal. And it is such a great piece if you do kind of just want to learn a little bit more about I guess the potential problematic implications of fake tan um, she tackles it very sensitively and it's definitely not like an outright attack etc but I do think if you are someone who found fake tans for you know whatever reason that may be it's worth a read and that will be linked also while these conversations 
around Jesse were happening this week, I found a great video by Zizi Mills, who is a British cultural commentator, who made this video about colorism. And we'd love to insert a brief clip here and we'll share the whole video on our Instagram this week. We have white women trying their best to appear racially ambiguous. I don't even want to call it black fishing anymore because I genuinely don't think they're trying to appear black. I genuinely think they're trying to be racially ambiguous, meaning you don't know where the fuck they come from. They could come from anywhere in the world because, you know, their skin is a little bit tanned. You know, they've got some hair, uh, big curly hair or whatever they've got going on. And it just, it, it reinforces everything that black women or I've been saying that the lighter shade you are, the more um, privilege you have especially within this within the entertainment industry and the fact now that like i keep saying we have a white woman or white women we see a lot nowadays you can go on all of the fast fashion sites you know we have there's loads of girls on there that are racially ambiguous but the fact of the matter is anyone that does not believe that colorism or the privilege of your skin or or the fact that your skin is lighter brings you more privilege sometimes please just look at this video Okay, please look at what we're seeing. We're seeing white women literally doing everything in their power to appear racially ambiguous. Why would they do that if it doesn't benefit them? So when black women have been screaming from the rooftop, colorism, 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 the darker your skin is, the harder it is, etc., etc., understand there are white women now trying to appear racially ambiguous because they understand the benefit of appearing like that and that's all i have to say stop gaslighting us black women we know the fuck what we're talking about thank you for coming to my ted talk Yes, yeah, so true about the fact that it's not just about black fishing or being one particular culture anymore. It is this desire to be ethically ambiguous. That's kind of mm. desired nowadays. Yeah, and like reaping the benefits of being ethically ambiguous, which, yeah, it's a whole thing in itself. And I think the most shocking part of the video, the most cringy part is when she is beside Nicki Minaj when Nicki's got her verse and Jessie just looks like she's trying to mimic Nicki or she's just this try-hard <laughs> black sidekick, honestly. it's She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so cringe. She, and it's just like when you put them side by side, I think it just makes it mm. so – it's just so telling. Katy Perry also went through a phase like that as well. Remember she was um she had that song with rappers, it's escaped my memory now, but yeah, it was the same thing of like dancing like swagger kind of yeah. thing. And it's like, oh god. So in an interview with Vulture that was published as a single's release, like two days ago, Jesse talks about seeing Sher Lloyd's 2010 X Factor edition. Do you remember Sher Lloyd? Not really. Okay. So I sorry. loved her. Um, I thought she was so cool. She sings like I Want You Back and she had like a couple of big hits. She was in the X Factor that One Direction Boys were Oh, in. no, I do remember. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, so catchy. And um, Jessie references her X Factor audition in this piece where Sher comes in with like cargo pants on and she did this version of Kerry Hilson's Turn My Swag On. And in Vulture, they reference Sher's top lip curling and hand-waving to the haters. The Vulture piece reads, 
For fuck's sake, Nelson remembers thinking, this girl is what I want to be like. The following summer, she auditioned for the show, which had launched the careers of One Direction and Leona Lewis, with her version of Bust Your Windows by Jasmine Sullivan. She was wearing a baggy t-shirt, cargo pants, and basketball sneakers. And in the same piece, Jessie also references her love of, like, noughties and 90s R&B and hip-hop. But the tea. In response to the kind of blackfishing backlash, Sher Lloyd actually tweeted, it's not 2010 anymore. I am obsessed. Look at this. Look at the progress. Look at this other bangers and match girl who has evolved and learned. Because, yes, it's been over a decade. Yeah. Like, this is what being an ally or, like, kind of learning from your past mistakes of your younger self. And I saw a tweet referencing this because people were like, what's the difference between Jesse, what Jesse's doing and what Sher Lloyd is doing? And it's like, Sher Lloyd was, like, 18, 19 in 2010. Um, it's 10 years later we've had so much progress and conversations around these topics and Jessie is a 30 year old woman there's a big difference between the two so in more tea as well as of 2 50 a.m this morning all of Jessie's ex-bandmates have now unfollowed her on Instagram and so has a lot of Little Mix's team um there's now a like meme going around Twitter of you know like Beyonce has unfollowed Jessie Nelson or like all these random people and like that's the joke that she's getting unfollowed by so many like big names and all the like little mixed stands are kind of like keeping an eye on her following list so like you know I kind of think it's justified it's very much in poor taste and that's just the least of it of course it's a form of racism that she's partaking in I just almost wish that the team around her had some sense and had some brains because she's not doing this alone. Like you said, she's been in this industry for so many years now. She's got a whole team working on this. Like where is the cultural sensitivity? Like who's overseeing this? Like, yes, I just, I, like, yes, I think she deserves this kind of backlash because she's the one partaking it. She's got a history of this, but it's also like, hello, everybody else (laughs) as well. What, what's happening? I'm surprised as well that like, Nikki and P Diddy were like okay with it as well. Oh yeah, I yeah, because it's so cringy to watch. I don't know if I'm just like a super so sensitive, cringy. you know, bloody left wingers, <laughs> yeah. bloody snowflakes. All right, and now in response to all the accusations, Jesse has put out a statement in an interview. She says. But I mean, like, I love black culture. I love black music. That's all I know. It's what I grew up on. I'm very aware that I'm a white British woman. I've never said that I wasn't. And that's the whole thing of what the video that Zizi was saying. Like, she is a white British woman and she's reaping the benefits of being a, you know, looking like a mixed race woman. And I've never said that I wasn't. Yeah, but you bloody look like one. I thought you were one. <laughs> um, so why are you exploiting this culture? It's just you can have an appreciation of black music. Like I love rap music. I love hip-hop music. But I would never stand next to Nicki Minaj and pretend to like, you know, dance like a black woman because I'm not a black woman. Like that is not mine. So I'll stick with my bangers and mash. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And no one's saying that you can't listen yeah. to black music either. And the fact that she's doing all this in Black History Month in the UK is just the cherry on top. 
Recommendation time. Maggie, what have you been reading, listening, watching this week? A lot of different podcasts, actually. I usually find myself listening to the same rotation of like my classic favorites, but I've kind of veered away from that and I'm just dabbling in some other ones. Um, So I finally got around to listening to Doing It Right with Pandora Sykes, who is the love of our life, (laughs) aka (laughs) co-host of the now defunct The High Low podcast. And yeah, she's just such a vibe. So this new podcast she has is a weekly interview series about the myths, anxieties, and trends of modern life, very similar to the book that she also put out last year. Um, And she covers topics like sex, sadness, self-care. So she interviews experts and thinkers um, in their fields, and they just kind of tackle life's biggest questions. I kind of like that I don't know basically many of the guests um, I'm unfamiliar with most of them and it's kind of nice getting into episodes where you don't know what to expect I think some episodes I've listened to so far include introverts and extroverts with Arthur Brooks and Yoda wasn't chill all the time with Alan de Botton oh love them it's been on my list for a while my metaphorical list was that did you make that joke about like is there a list yes (laughs) I was like, um, when people say that they're adding a book to their to read list, is there actually a list or something like that? Yeah, it's my, the list in my head. So yeah, I'm glad that you recommended it because I wasn't sure. I didn't know too many of the guests that well. I haven't found Mm -hmm. someone who I've been like, oh yes, I really, really want to listen to them. And it kind of hooks you in, but I think I'll give it a go. It's nice. It's quite like light and it's not like, it's something that you can jump in and Mm. out of. So yeah, like a nice morning listen. I like that. And you, Jasmine, what are you going to be recommending this week? I am very proud of myself because I savored Sex Education Season 3 over the course of three weeks. I wanted to binge it, but I limited myself to like one episode, two episodes per weekend, and I finished it last weekend. And it's the only thing that I've watched recently, Um, and I just love it so much that I had to recommend it. I'm sure so many people have watched it already. It's very, very well known. Um, But for the people who haven't yet delved into sex education, sex education is a British Netflix TV series and it surrounds a group of friends and their families in a fictional town in the UK. Um, It's set in modern times, but they dress in like very 80s clothes. Apparently that was to make it so that like any generation can watch it, which I thought was really lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't really have time to it, but they use mobile phones, so we know it's modern. Um, and the first season starts off with these two friends, Otis and Maeve, who start a sex education clinic because their friends uh, have all this fake news about um, sex and things surrounding sex. Um, and Otis's mum is Dr. Jean Milburn, and she is a sex therapist, so that's why he knows all of the stuff. And yes, I just finished the third season and it just is so well written. It covers the most beautiful topics. Um, One thing I thought they, well, two things I thought they did so well this season specifically was the introduction of a non-binary character and their struggles with relationships and finding themselves and also the scene with Maeve and Isaac in a caravan Isaac is in a wheelchair and they have this very 
intimate and sensual it's not a sex scene they're not actually having sex but it's just like this beautiful moment where a person in a wheelchair isn't like fetishized for their wheelchair it's not seen as like this big deal like Maeve asks a few questions about his body but like it's just so beautiful like it actually moved me to tears how well done it was so yeah I if even if you're not a teen obviously it's centered around high school but it's just so good and the characters are so well developed there's so much character development over the few seasons as well so yes I'm probably preaching to the choir like I'm sure everyone has seen sex education but I am obsessed and I want to ask you if you could be any character in sex education who would you be like who do you feel closest to oh my god sorry the one that's got the softest spot in my heart is Adam like I just adore him the most. So that's mine. What about you? Adam is such a sweetheart. He was also a highlight of season three for me. Uh, I see a lot of myself in Amy, I think, mm, in Amy. the kind of people-pleasing ways. But, yeah, I think she's – and she's a very lovely friend. Um, so to Amy, who, yeah, and then Adam. I also thought Lily's character line – this season was very sweet as well. She is a girl who's obsessed with aliens. And in this season, she is reminded that she should be herself. So I thought that was very heartwarming as well. It's such a lovely season. I think I've never had so many moments where I'm like, oh, I've never seen this on screen before. Mm. And it's done with such such sensitivity and care. And I think that's so beautiful. Like there's so many things I never thought I'd ever see on TV. Don't want to give too much away, but it's so lovely to watch, isn't it? Very heartwarming. So yes, two kind of lovely recommendations this week. Nothing too serious, which I think is what we all need right now. No squid game here. I know my sister's like, talk about it on culture club. And I'm like, you think that us two babies will even see it? Um, no, it's it looks too yeah. scary for me, but I do want to watch it. It's just too scary. <laughs> I'm just saying. They're like, it sounds like you see people like take out eyeballs or something. I'm like, mm, not for me today. But I I do think it's worth a hype, and I love seeing Korean cinema kind of race to the top of the charts mm. here in Australia. Very cool to see. So we support, but from yes, afar. Literally. Um, Shameless podcast just posted a tweet that said, it's so cute that people think they can convince me to watch Squid Game. Bestie, I'll be watching Love Actually for the 75th time and enjoying Inner Peace. I was like, I feel so seen right now. I choose Inner Peace and I choose Celebrity Master Chef starting tonight. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up so you can go watch um, Celebrity Master Chef. So thank you everyone for listening. All of the articles and videos we reference will be in our show notes if you're interested. And for more Culture Club content, you can follow us at Culture Club Pod. Hopefully we'll see you on Instagram, but until then, see you later. Bye. Bye-bye.